0: It's said that there are, are, are three pillars of the faith, and, and all three are absolutely indispensable. Uh, the first is is evangelization. You know, if nobody preaches the good news, if nobody shares the paschal mystery, if the word does not go out to all the world, then the church just doesn't exist, it dies. And of course, the modern-day prophet of evangelization was, was John Paul II, St. John Paul II, who who just began traveling literally all over the world, spreading the good news. His youth conferences are, are, are legion and, 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 and legendary. a uh, Matter of fact, many of our young priests refer to themselves as John Paul II priest because of his power of evangelization. The second leg of the triangle is, is worship, is prayer. And the modern-day prophet of that is uh, Benedict XVI. Benedict was very much working on the integrity and and the rightness of, of how we are to celebrate and how we are to pray, and to pray always from the lowliest Hail Mary and our Father to the deepest contemplative prayer. The third leg, which is absolutely indispensable if we are to be the church, if we are to be the people that have faith, is care for the poor. And of course, I do not have to tell you who the modern-day prophet of that is. Our our present Holy Father, Pope Francis, it is said that as he was taking off the ermine and would not wear it when he went out into the balcony, he overheard the Cardinal of, of Brazil say, Francis, don't forget the poor. Don't forget the poor. And of course we know, not only has he not forgotten the poor, but they are the keystone in the hallmark of, of his papacy. He lands in the, in the great tradition of his, his namesake, Francis of Assisi and Dorothy Day and Mother Teresa and Martin de Porras and Peter Claver and, and those whose focus was upon the poor. Today our readings are asking us to do exactly the same thing. Focus on that third leg, that pillar of the faith without which the faith doesn't exist because why? Because we do not get in from the top, we get in from the bottom. When Jesus says the first shall be last and the last shall be first, when Jesus says blessed are the poor, what he is saying, the way into the kingdom of God is not through power and earthly might, but through poverty and humility down from the bottom up. And so today, we, we, we need to listen to these words, but the question for us is, after we've heard them, will they sink in? Will they will they able to penetrate our own tendency of insulation and isolation? And we live in a world that is quite insular especially this first world in which we live this world where we can be quite comfortable thank you very much now I want to give a little disclaimer people often ask me why where where, where I get the topics for my sermons and I know exactly where they come from whenever I read the scriptures I need I preach to myself I say what do I need to hear what I want to say first and foremost, what I want to preach today is what I personally need to hear. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed preaching about care for the poor to the Wheaton Franciscans because I know of no religious community who is, is is more focused than you are upon the needs of the poor and the incredible work that you do with your, your ministry fund and the... Oh, and all the low-cost housing and AIDS ministry, all the things that you've done for those who have no one to advocate for them. But I am preaching to myself and to you at home who find ourselves sometimes hearing the words but not letting them sink in. Amos wants them to sink in. And so he doesn't doesn't mince any words. And as Sister Jane read to us this morning, he says this, Woe to the complacent in Zion, lying on their beds of ivory, stretched comfortably in their couches, improvising music on the harp like David. First jazz musicians improvising. They drink wine, not not out of uh, glass. They drink wine out of bowls. They anoint themselves with oils. Yet they are not made ill by the collapse. Well, it says Joseph, but the, it should be reading by the collapse of the poor. There's a consequence to that. There's, there's a consequence to isolation and insulation and comfort. Now, going first class cost a great deal. Why? Because indeed, if the last shall be first and the first shall be last... Uh, Amos says, you know, you're going to be the first one exiled. You're going to be the first ones cut off. And you did the cutting off. You built the wall. You let the outsiders out, and you kept yourself insulated inside. That's the echo that we hear today in in this cautionary tale that Jesus gives to to the Pharisees, those who are quite comfortable in his day. And of course, to us as well, we know the story well. It's 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 the only parable of Jesus where he actually names one of the principles of the parable, and of course, the name that he names is is Lazarus, the the beggar, and Lazarus comes from the, the Jewish folk tale about Eleazar, who was a uh, a servant of Abraham, and who would go from time to time and disguise himself in, in various forms to see if the people were keeping the law of, of Moses. And, and, of course, the law of Moses tells us to, to love God, to love our neighbor, to take care of the needs of the widow and the orphan. And, and so Eliezer translates into Lazarus, which means God's going to help you. Strange name. And he's the only one with a name. When you're, when you're named, you're given a dignity. You are important. And the rich man has no name. Now, often we hear them called divies, but divies is simply Latin for rich man. Uh, he's, 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 he's a nameless person. They're about to switch roles. The first is going to be last. The last is going to be First. And of course the tale goes on, and it's 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 taken from the Jewish folk tales, the tale goes on that the rich man dined sumptuously and and and, and he uh, and the poor man was outside dying for the scraps that fell from his table. What's amazing, and I just found this out as I was getting ready for this homily, is that in, in the ancient days there there, there were no napkins. So what they did was they had a, a, a kind of a bread, a special bread. And while they were eating and putting their food in their mouth, they'd wipe their mouth with this bread. And they'd throw it under the table. And the dogs would come to eat it. That's where the dogs get the scraps from the table. When, in Jesus' story with the some Syro-Phoenician woman. And Lazarus would long to eat the scraps from the table, but no one would lift a finger to help him. Or even see him. The rich man never saw Lazarus. Never laid eyes on the man. And, and, and of course then the story goes on. And, 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 the, and the dogs who had ate, eaten the scraps came and licked his sores. That was the only consolation he, he had. Lazarus dies and goes to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man dies and he goes to Hades where he is in torment, where he is in pain. And the story goes on that that, uh, the rich man sees from afar Abraham and Lazarus at his bosom, and he cries out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. I am in torment from these flames. What's amazing here is this guy is so caught up in himself that he can't get out of himself, and so caught up in the fact that Lazarus is not himself, as a matter of fact, but this time he finally learns his name and he says, uh, send that beggar to tip his finger in water and come and touch my tongue because I am tormented in these, in these flames. He's still caught up in himself. How do you go to hell? You're never sent there. We go there all by ourselves. And how do, and how do you do that? By isolating ourselves. If our God is a relationship, then we are called to enter into relationship, the deepest relationship, especially with the relationships at the bottom. It is there that we are finally lifted up. And, of course, Abraham says, I can't. There's a gulf between me and you. It's the gulf that you have created. It's the wall that you have built. And you are on the other side. I can't get you over. And, 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 and he widens his horizon Just a little bit. First it's himself. It's my family too. How about my brothers and sisters? And Abram says, they've got Moses. You've heard it. The difficulty is it never penetrated. I think that's the problem with this gospel as well. Does it penetrate? How can it penetrate? Uh, This is the hard part. The hard part is how does it penetrate into my heart? How does it penetrate into your heart? How does it begin to change us? You know, uh, I began my ministry working with the poor. Uh, I was a uh, pastor in, in a little town called Hopkins Park, as many of you know, which was the rarest, poorest black community, all black community, north, largest north of the Mason-Dixon line, where people had to literally choose between food and fuel. And even though I was among them, I knew that any moment I can get up and drive away. They had to stay. But they taught me at that point everything I needed to know. And you've heard me preach on this before. I think it's going to be carved in my tombstone. Because everything we need to know is caught in two phrases that the the poorest of the poor, the wonderful people who were in my community taught me. Let go. Let go. God. Don't you dare cling. Don't you dare cling to your title, to your comfort, to your intelligence, to your your money, to, to anything that you think you have. Because if you can let go of it, God will help. You will be Lazarus. God will be there to take care of your needs, daring to trust in God for everything. And that was wonderful when I was a baby priest, but now that I'm in my senescence, it's getting harder. I mean, it really is. It's getting much, much harder. And, and I know intellectually that I am not going to outlive my resources. I think what the, one of the, the morals of this story is that, is that life, you, you don't have time to not let go. And you don't want to die with a pile of whatever it is that you're holding on to. Yeah, somebody once says, money's like manure. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 you spread it around and you watch things grow. If you leave it at a pile, it just stinks. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. see, I, I must confess, and this is, this is my own confession. My life's pretty cushy, you know? I do not have a bit of ivory, but I got a mattress with a really nice pillow top on top of it, huh? I, I don't live in a, in a mansion, but I got all the house I will ever need, more house than I will ever need. And, and so what needs to penetrate into my heart is, is how do I let go of what I may be holding on to. And most of all, because I think this is step one in my own and all of our own rehabilitation, is to see the poor around us we don't see him. We don't see him. We, we watch on the news what's going on in Somalia where two-thirds of the world is all going to bed hungry, and there they are literally dying of starvation. Or the refugees who are trying to cross the Mediterranean to get to Europe and are, are drowning in the boats or or the, 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 the terrible things that are going on in Puerto Rico with the hurricanes, or or Pakistan being drowned underwater. I mean, so many things. Do we look? Do we look? And then can we look into the eyes of the poor at our door? Because even right here in DuPage County, homeless is a great reality. And there are, there are those who do wonderful works of, of not only daring to look into their eyes, but actually relieving, giving, giving a wonderful portion of their time and their talent. And those are the PADS community or the, or the, uh, the Resource Center, the People's Resource Center. There's so, so many wonderful things going on. But the very first thing we need to do is look. Mitch Snyder, I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he was a, 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 a lobbyist at one time for Barry Goldwater. And he was very wealthy, lost everything. I don't know if it was because of an addiction or what the problem was, but he ended up homeless. But in fact, they called him the king of the homeless. And they asked Snyder, well, what, what's, what's the deal here? What, what, what's most important for people to know about the homeless? And his response is whether you give me something or not isn't important. But look at me. See me. The rich man never saw him. rich man never saw Lazarus. We don't really see the poor. We are called to look into their eyes. And then whether we give something or not, that's a pretty difficult thing to decide. Uh, Father George Clements, uh, the black priest who, well, actually modeled for he was one of my mentors, and he modeled for me the possibility of being able to adopt children. That's, I've, I've just followed in his footsteps. He also med- modeled for me how to take care of the poor among you, and especially within the African American communities, taught me a whole bunch. And one of the things he said, is, as a matter of fact, when I was in Kankakee, we helped start together a little group called One Church, One Addict. Every church in town was going to be responsible for at least one addict who really wanted to recover. And so he he taught me that. he, He told me, he said, you know, when somebody comes to your door and they want some money, he says, I'm not sure if you're supposed to give it to them. He says, what you are called to do is look them in the eye and take them out to dinner. Now, if you can do that. <sighs> I do that, but nowhere near as much as I probably should be doing that. Sooner or later, all of us, especially those of you at home, are going to be getting on that metro train going into Chicago, and you know what's going to happen as soon as you get off you're going to be going down across that river and the first person you're going to see is someone begging. And the question is, do you give it or not give it? Father Clement says his big fear was that whatever you gave them was going to go up their nose. Um, I don't know what to do. I, I really, And I can't tell anybody what to do. I do know that I go with a pocket full of bills in my hand. And I do whisper a prayer of, to whom should I be giving something? And then I try to as many as I possibly can, and some that I, that I, I, I pass by. I, I, I don't know how to do that. But here's what I know. I've got to see them. We've got to be in communion with them. And we've got to be willing to share whatever we have for them because we need them. I really believe that we need the poor more than the poor need us. You know, one of the great mandates of the, of the biblical tradition is the tradition of tithing. And the tithing says you give 10% of what you've got in time, in talent, and in treasure. And, and, and you do that because you need to do that. If we're going to inhale all the wonders and the riches of the world, and we indeed do, then we need to exhale. We need to give it away. Uh, Bishop Robert Barron tells the story of being with Cardinal George uh, at a a big, huge banquet where the the rich, uh, the very rich, probably the filthy rich, gave just scads of money to the Cardinal for his charities of, of taking care of the poor. And the Cardinal, in his address, thanked them. Thank you. I thank you because the poor need you to relieve their pain, their hunger, their poverty. He says, but you need the poor to keep you from going to hell. We need the poor to keep ourselves from being isolated and isolation." being cut off, being torn asunder is hell.